Loka samasta sukino pavantu Loka samasta sukino pavantu May all beings everywhere be happy and free and may the thoughts and actions of my own life contribute in some way to that happiness and freedom for all. That's a mantra passed down from a guru, Swami Nirmalananda, to the founders of Jiva Mukti Yoga, Sharon Gannon and David Life, who say that it is the essence of karma yoga. Karma yoga is a selfless service. They say that when we are suffering from self-pity and loneliness, a surefire cure is to care more for others and the reduction of their suffering. When we shift our thoughts away from our own suffering, it diminishes. Today's show, we're going to look at the tie between yoga and veganism. And I'm going to do this show in a way that kind of focuses around my experience of being in New Orleans, uh, why I came here, and the things that happened to me while I was here. And um, through it all, yoga has kind of been the thread that has held me together. And... uh, and united me with a lot of great people around here. And, you know, yoga on one level is an exercise of the body, but on another level it's an exercise of the spirit and a, a way to transform yourself. Um, and for me, it's helped me get through some hard emotional times. So the way I'm going to do this is... Uh, <laughs> I kind of made that a little fairy tale of, of my story, and um, so I'm going to narrate that to some music that I recorded with my friend Aaron uh, from yoga, who is a teacher at Swan River Yoga, where I take these classes, and who has become a friend of mine. And then I'm going to feature an interview with a teacher at the school who is vegan named Libby Bryant and she is an amazing teacher as well as an amazing person after that we're going to hear an interview with one of the school's owners named Michelle there goes a motorcycle (laughs) from one of the school's owners Michelle Baker and then at the end there will be some other surprises and um, I hope that you like the way this goes I'm I want to tell this story in a way that kind of is more personal because because I think through the personal you can see the universal. You hear that train in the background? I live I live near some train tracks. It's really cool. Uh, <laughs> every day, every night, the train goes by. And trains are kind of important to my story, I guess. So without further ado, let me start the story. And then uh, I'll get back to you in the, the end of the show with some more commentary.
time there was a boy who loved a girl very much. She seemed to be everything he dreamed of, beautiful, artistic, vegan, with vibrant tattoos and gentle hands. She danced with fire and he was an Aries. She lived in one place and he in another, so they planned the ways that they could be together, visiting and getting to know each other, airplanes, internets, texting devices, long hours on their phones, absorbing radiation. He loved her voice and hearing the details of her day. At first they planned that she would move to be with him, but as she looked at her life and obligations, she knew that she could not make the move. You should leave me, she said. The boy knew he was too in love to do that. So he decided to give up his community to be with her. He put in notice at the vegan bakery he worked at, told his fellow owners in the bike collective, the landlord where his photography office was, his roommates, his friends, the people helping with his vegan bus, took his radio show off the air and left the station. They knew how much he loved the girl, had seen the pictures and heard him on the phone. And though they were sad he was leaving, they loved him and wanted him to be happy. He had just a few jobs to finish and some packing when his whole world fell apart. He was always giving things to the girl. He gave her his car to use until they were together. He gave her vegan treats, mixed CDs, underwear that read, Eat Like You Give a Damn, above that place where she had shared with him her ecstasy, her vulnerability, and her passions. One time when her phone broke, he gave her his old one, and this is where the trouble started. On this old phone was an old text message with an even older picture from before the boy knew the girl when he was with another girl and in this old picture the old girl was in a state of undress. Cool. <laughs> okay. It's gonna be good. He had sent the message to himself while he was with the new girl to save the photo before he erased it from his phone. He did not think much of it then. His heart was true to his love. He was just a collector of mementos, a hoarder of memories. Later he saw it was a secret kept from the girl. Secrets sometimes are a way of lying. Once she saw the picture, she never talked to him again, at least not with love or any empathy as if everything they had shared counted for nothing, and the picture was everything. The boy could not understand, standing amidst boxes of things he had been packing. He sent her emails, he sent her text messages, left her voicemails, burning with guilt and trying to make sense of her reaction. Not eating or sleeping very much. No response. He had always felt the universe was kind and wise to those that live in tune with it. He looked at himself, asked, Why did I hold on to that picture? And then, why do I hold on to any picture? He looked at the things around him that he did not need, and he began to give them away. Soon the universe sent the grandfather spirits. They came and circled around him, three wise men of native blood, a fire that burned all night. The figures around the circle spoke. 
The doorman fanned the flames. There were bitter things to swallow until the thick air broke and tears poured out of everyone while love bound them all together. The sun rose and the boy said to the elders, tell me something true. They said the grandfather is still here. They gave him incense and tobacco. Throw these in the fire and make your peace. An angel there held him while he cried. He went and sat by the stream. The world became more beautiful than he had ever seen it. He found hope in a strange melancholy peace that got him through tough days ahead. He decided he would still go to where the girl was, maybe to win her back, maybe to say goodbye, to look into those deep brown eyes one more time. I will not be afraid, he thought to himself. I will risk being alone and vulnerable in a strange place to try to save that which means so much to me. The boy gave more and more away. He wondered what he really needed in his life how much he could do without. Less food, less sleep, books he kept like trophies from a knowledge safari, pictures of old lovers, gnarled and tangled cables from extinct technologies, slide projectors, love letters, the worms that ate his compost, and the toys he no longer played with. Soon he was down to the things he was most attached to, which fit into a ten-foot storage space. His friends came to see him off, Forty of them with speeches and assassinations. He thought to himself, It's too bad the girl can't see how loved I am. Maybe she would return. Right now in the city of New Orleans, Illinois Central, Monday morning rail, 15 cars and 15 restless riders, three conductors. 25 sacks of mail. Of course, all good love stories involve a train, and so the boy took the rails west to Chicago, then south on the city of New Orleans, watching the countryside change. Between the future and past, he rode there in the middle, listening to songs about trains cross-legged on his magic carpet made of steel. Graveyards full of old black men And the graveyards of the rusted automobiles After some time, the train crossed Lake Pontchartrain. The boy saw the familiar train of the place the girl lived. Strangers came and fetched him, took him to a fixed-up shotgun amongst abandoned houses and drug dealers, where kindly drunken grandmothers would later smile so wide when the boy came out on the porch with his guitar. Kids came out to the edge of their driveway to listen. Old men outside played card games on rickety folding tables. His gay landlord smoked blunts and blasted techno behind closed doors while his alcoholic roommate slept all day and drank vodka all night. The boy was like a ship in the ocean with no land around him for miles. He was sad at night and sad when he woke up. The girl called to tell him she hated him and that she would give his car back and then she never called him again. Every day he rode his bike as fast as he could, over streets pockmarked with potholes and uneven pavement. He imagined he was on the moon. The faster he went, the more he could forget the past so sweet and the future he dreamed of lying in ruins. 
He raced down Royal Street every morning, dodging cars and trucks and tourists who never looked before they crossed the street. He just rang his bell and smiled on the way to his yoga class, which is where this story begins. The boy had been doing yoga for a while. It was his spiritual practice, along with some medicines that allowed him occasional glimpses in the mirror. Somewhere along his path, he heard of a style called Jiva Mukti. Jiva, Sanskrit for soul. Mukti, Sanskrit for liberation. The founders of the style were vegans. Interwoven into its philosophy of liberating the soul was the practice of ahimsa, not harming other living beings. The style was being practiced at Swan River Shala, where he had once laid in Shavasana holding hands with the girl, while tears of gratitude flowed down his face. Thank you, universe, for this precious gift. Without her, the same thought came, but he began to see the gift was something different from what he first thought it was. He would often cry at the end of his class, sitting cross-legged and singing Om. He began to sense there was something more profound than his love for the girl. It began to stir in his heart and spread out across his limbs. He sensed that perhaps New Orleans had called him there, that the girl was just a love letter. All around him, symbols began to appear, strange coincidences and wonderful occurrences. And all his actions began to bear fruit. He could see around him the garden of life he had been tending all along, sometimes unskillfully, other times fearlessly. And it was beginning to bloom. invocation and it's called Loka Samasta Suki no Bhavantu. It means may all beings everywhere be happy and free. And um, interesting to note that when we say all beings, you know, it's not like just those beings over there. <laughs> it's all beings. It's not just humans. It's not just this type or that type. It's like everything. And the whole point of yoga is realizing that everything is one thing and um, just examine where our prejudices actually come from
place to start. <laughs> it's really beautiful. <laughs> so the instrument is called a harmonium? Mm-hmm. This is called and a harmonium. Um, I, for the way I understand it, it's actually something that the, the um, British made so that they could take to India to Christianize them, I think. Really? And now we all think of it as an Indian instrument. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice perception, isn't it? So they made like a small church organ so that they could travel with their music. Music is such an essential part of any, any kind of spiritual um, journey. You know, that sound really moves us. So a lot of the classes here at, mm-hmm. um, start with a harmonium. And it's kind of a piano. It looks like an a, accordion that sits on the ground, kind of. Yeah, it does. It works the same way. It works much like, like an organ or an accordion. Um, the same idea with harmonics. It is you actually play very little. The instrument does a lot for you. Yeah. Is um part of becoming certified for Jiva Mukti? <laughs> do you have to learn this? No, <laughs> at least not yet. <laughs> I think it's just getting popular, you know. <laughs> Certainly helps to have something to accompany your voice. You know, it's a little less less nerve wracking. Start class. Well, we should um, start with your name and uh, how long you've been practicing yoga. Okay. Well, my name is uh, Libby Bryan, and I've been practicing yoga. I guess the first time I practiced yoga was when I was a teenager, and I had a I had a Raquel Welch yoga book. And um, I did. And I thought, wow, she's really beautiful. I want to try this. And um, I did that pretty consistently for a while. And then I studied dance uh, in university. And I moved to New Orleans in mm, 1997, I believe. I started to practice again here. Then I had a child, and I stopped for a while. Then I moved to Europe for a while, and I quickly realized that I needed that practice again. And I studied in Munich at the Jiva Mukti Center there, which is a really, really wonderful studio. And, um, yeah, then I was certified maybe two years after that, so a long time. This so you got certified mm-hmm. in Germany? I know I was certified in New York. I traveled from, from Germany to New York. Does everyone who gets certified have to go to New York? Is that how it works? Or? They have teacher trainings in Germany now as well, but it, it was in my interest to do it in English. <laughs> <laughs> so I did it in Rhinebeck <laughs> in New York, yeah. And um, could you tell us about the founders of Jiva Mukti and what you know about them? Oh, certainly, certainly. Um, Sharon Gannon and David Life are the co-founders of Jiva Mukti Yoga. They have been... Um, teaching this style uh, since the early 80s, I believe. I hope I'm not wrong about that. Pranams to my teachers. And they are, I think that their yoga is so becoming so popular because they teach a completely integral view. They teach yoga as a spiritual practice, but in such a way that we can um, relate that spirituality to our life today. In, in the real world, you know, they started their practice, they started teaching in New York, in Manhattan, and I think people started to see, my gosh, if you can get a bunch of New Yorkers to own, <laughs> and yeah, and start thinking about what they eat, and about their politics, and um, their community through a yogic sense of, sense of view, 
then my gosh, we can we can do that in other places as well. We can do that in the West. We don't have to make it just a physical um, exercise, and we get great benefit in that way. Yeah. So the <clears throat> the dietary part of the practice is important to the Jiva Mukti, and do they teach that in teacher training, or how is that kind of transmitted? Well, I I think they teach it in class to begin with. And then, of course, it's part of teacher training to understand where your teachers are coming from. If, if in order to honor them, you, you continue, you try to, um, you know, forward their, their message, their, their life's work. And Sharon and David believe that one of the foundation practices of yoga is ahimsa in Sanskrit. That means um, non-harm. And I, I believe that the ancient texts, they didn't, they didn't make a big distinction when they said person. It didn't necessarily just mean human. It meant beings. And a being is, is any, anyone who bees, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think we all have pets that we look at and we, we feel like those animals have a sense of, of a want and need to be happy and that we make a distinction between this animal wanting that and this animal something we can use is is not very non-harmful and um, it's always been a really central part of their teachings and their and their practice yeah so did you come to a vegan diet through yoga or was that something you developed independently mm-hmm. I think I was a vegetarian on and off for most of my life without much of a reason for it, just an idea that I didn't really like to eat meat. Um, And I became vegan during my teacher training. Um, It was actually really simple. You know, it was four weeks without it. And then I, I, you know, I left. I went back home and I thought, well, let's just see how long this lasts, if it becomes difficult. And it never did. You, You know, you... Really, changing our habits takes maybe a month or two. And then at that point, you don't really need to use animals for your food. All of your addictions, your, your physical reliance on some of the properties in those foods are, are gone. And then it's just a matter of choice. And do you feel that the, um, the diet also enhances the practice physically yeah I think that your body definitely changes I you know obviously if you stop eating foods that are laden with with you know fats and poisons and other things like that it affects your health and your health affects how well you can move you know things aren't in the way anymore it's pretty simple really and um, your energy level. I noticed my energy level changed significantly. I didn't have that um, laconic, you know, dragging sense that seemed to be without reason. Um, you, you start to feel a little bit more clear, a little bit less sluggish. Yeah, it does make a difference, definitely. Yeah, I found that too. <laughs> well, I guess I started veganism before yoga, but... Uh, Definitely, especially uh, I, you know, I've experimented with raw food, and I found that that even takes it to another level, mm. in some ways, mm. or just 
you become ultra aware of what's in your body when you're practicing or just like how certain foods affect your practice or how soon you eat before you practice or So in a sense, it's really liberating, you know, it's liberating to know, you know, to choose. This eating is a, is a very, um, very personal, very, very big thing, you know. What we eat, what we, we put that thing into our body, you know. So it affects us physically, it affects us mentally, and it affects us karmically. We can, we um, would be ingesting something that died without respect or... Um, in a in a harmful way or in a frightening way, and imagining just what that does to the animal physically, and then that you're taking that in, it um, can affect many many aspects of your life and of your health. Yeah, and just like the energy and the connection that plants have with the the earth, and it seems like there's a lot more like life force in plants that we get directly instead mm-hmm. of cycling them through animals and. Yeah, and and I'd like to add, because I often get this question, well, plants feel feel as well. They experience pain, and they, they do, but without, without the same um, sympathetic, autonomic nervous system, it's not the same kind of sentient feeling that an animal has. And it does cause harm to eat plants, but um, Patanjali states ahimsa as a practice. So basically we do the best we can and clearly um, not, you know, clearly the use of eating food that is plant-based is less harmful to the earth, less harmful to our bodies, and less harmful to those other beings than not, you know. So that's the practice, do the best that you can. Yeah, and that, that argument also overlooks the fact that to eat animals, the animals have to eat a lot of plants. So you're actually killing more plants by eating animals than, than just eating them, the plants directly. Um, so I'd like to talk a little more about like some more of the further out spiritual ideas of yoga, I guess. Um, before every class in this school, Swan River, there's... Uh, a little talk about some kind of spiritual matter, how how the practice relates to our everyday life. As far as the Jiva Mukti, every month there's a theme or something, is that correct? Yes. Well, it's from Sharon and David. It's not always written by them. Um, it often is. It very often is. Sometimes it's written by one of one of their students. Sometimes it's written by one of their teachers, and they're passing on directly something that um, they gained. So, um, for instance, this this month, the focus um, was written by their teacher, Sri Brahmananda Sarasvati. Um, <clears throat> it's it's about uh, a meeting of of the path, a journey inwards, and the point at which you're able to realize that space where you're not affected by your outward senses, like your inner world, in a sense, and how, how you can find that place of peace. And, and for me, using that as a tool, and the whole practice of yoga is putting yourself in a funny, awkward, sometimes challenging, sometimes painful, somewhat place, and then learning to um, 
find that connection with your breath or with spirit so that you can move through it with grace. And that translates to your world outside your yoga class. That's the way it works. That's the magic of the practice. Changes your changes the way you see things. For me, coming here, you know, it's I, ha- I have a really great school in Massachusetts where I came from, and, and those teachers are both vegan, so... Um, and I really love that school and, and just finding another school that even though it's different it really uh, has has helped me transition I think the yoga more than anything has helped me you know ground myself in New Orleans even though I didn't know very many people and and uh, and the the little teachings at the beginning of class and the the singing of the kirtans it's all very um, it's all really nice <laughs> I don't know what my question is, but <laughs> nice is good. Nice is good. Yeah, it's See, that's it's what happens. You start to change. You start to be kind. You know, you you practice compassion, and then you see it around you. You know, the things that used to be that used to seem difficult. For instance, I was right after you asked me to do this interview. My my parents were in town, and. Um, they wanted to go out for seafood, you know, and of course I obliged. You know, you can't change everything like just yeah. by snapping your finger. Um, so we went to this lovely restaurant, and I, I was a little bit thinking, oh, okay, here I go with the French fries again, you know. <laughs> but really, all you have to do is ask. And so many times people are so gracious or they're excited about the challenge of trying to f- make something for you without animal foods in it. So, so this... Uh, this lady at Saltwater Grill was just like phenomenal, you know. She made me a, an excellent meal. I mean, it's always there. It's so possible and not nearly as difficult as we might think it would be to change, make a change for better. Yeah, my teachers up in uh, in Massachusetts, I always say how, you know, if you if you miss some yoga, the people around you will start noticing. <laughs> 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 or just, you know, the people will be like, oh, go back to yoga. You're, Maybe just you're driving babies. me crazy. <laughs> so, but as far as, as being a vegan activist, I think, um, you know, a lot of vegans get um, kind of stereotyped as being angry or kind of, you know, walking around and making people around them miserable. And, you know, over time, hopefully people that go vegan learn that, you know, the way to change people is to change yourself and just to be a kind of mirror of what you want to see in the world and that that really helps and so coming to yoga class and working on yourself is a really great way to uh, become a better person in the world and and spread spread that light do you have like you have any experiences of people becoming more vegan or vegetarian just because they know you and how you are well yes actually yeah and there are a few people that have changed their diets because of the things that I've said. But the thing is, the things that I have said are things that I have learned through experience because someone said that to me. That's, that's how, I mean, that's how teaching works, isn't it? If, if someone comes and helps you in a certain way, that's because someone's done that for them. And when we're speaking to, to people about diet and, and especially, you know, those really sensitive subjects for most of us, um, it's my teacher says it's really important to understand how that person feels and how do you want them to feel about themselves when you're talking to them. If you can't see that person as as perfect in their some way 
and and one who w- wants to not cause harm then how how do you expect how do you expect them to listen to you you know they're already that way they're already beautiful it's almost just like reminding reminding each other so is there anything else you think about a lot <laughs> well. I don't know I'm never very good at ending interviews I'm just I don't, I don't come up with a list of questions and I just kind of wing it. So, um, Any other connections between diet and yoga or, or just yoga and spirituality that you think would be good for our listeners to hear about? You know, spirituality is your body, your diet, your yoga practice, your, your work, your job, everything. It's spirit is spirit is what we all share spirit is your breath you know that spirit right there so you know everyone has it once again i just one thing that my teacher says you know how do you know that someone is spiritual she will always say are they breathing (laughs) then yes (laughs) yeah (laughs) so even the people who deny that they're spiritual are are just in denial (laughs) unless they're not breathing (laughs) Well, it's, it's, it's a good good ending because yoga is, a lot of yoga is about breath and, <laughs> and breathing. Well, thank you so much. Um, sure. It's really great. Okay. Thank you. That's really nice. Namaste. Namaste. Understanding. A new friend had just run into the girl the day before, who was compelled to tell the story of the boy who had moved here to harass her, of her new lover, whom she had been just friends with when she was with the boy. The boy understood at last. It was not about the picture on his phone. It was about the picture the girl was painting from the palette of her own experience. He emailed a final plea for his car. She at last responded that it was no longer in her possession. Because he had moved here, he no longer deserved any of it. She said she wished they never met. The boy thought about the picture he had painted of the girl, the colors that he had used, the glow that he had cast all around her. He wondered at how it all washed away so easily with the slightest rain. He wondered how someone he loved so much could hate him for things he had never done. He wondered how he would hold on to trust and love. When asked to dedicate his practice to someone, the boy still dedicated his class to the girl. He knew in his heart that her suffering must be greater than his own, and he searched within for forgiveness. He thought about the things she had stole from him, realized they were just things, that in this life there is nothing he truly possessed other than what he cultivated in his heart. The boy realized the girl was his teacher, a siren singing him to shipwreck, 
washed up on the shores of New Orleans to see the saints come marching in, carried on a wave of hope. How blessed he was to be there. He imagined his own heart was like New Orleans, destroyed by its own Katrina. He resonated with the word Abaya, Sanskrit for fearless. For as he faced the death of one relationship, dozens more bloomed around him. Amazing new teachers, friends, and community, blessings everywhere he turned, a garden of nourishing light. How beautiful the world is. How beautiful is New Orleans. How ready she is for her vegan warrior who walked across the coals, tempted by anger and hatred, but in the end could only love. And now the love ripples out into everything. Namaste and Ahimsa. Loka Samasta. Sukino Bhavantu. Michelle, what's your last name? Michelle Baker. Michelle Baker, and you're one of the co-founders and owners of Swan River? Yes, I'm co-owner with Keith Porteous. Um, And could you talk about this event we just did? We just did 108 sun salutations, and it's for trafficking for women and children that are often sold, uh, unusually so from our perspective as being yogis, to sell any sort of human or animal of any type um, for money, for trade. So we're doing something against that, and we're trying to promote that with collecting donations. So we did 108 sun salutations underneath this beautiful tree. This tree, and the the chimes in the background are these giant art chimes hanging in the trees. It's pretty beautiful. Oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Although it made it hard hard to hear the teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and why why 108? Where does that number come from? Do you know? There's some. There's quite a few different reasons for 108. Um, many, it has to do with the number of planets and also the constellations, um, ways that you can divide the number. So nine times 12 with the, with the number of months or the number of constellations and the number of planets, which actually there's a new planet now, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's all the, this talk, especially with 2012 coming that, um, there's quite a bit of discrepancy about the number of planets and also what's going to happen when all the planets align. But that's a whole other topic. So is Pluto still a planet in that uh, worldview, or is it... I think so, okay. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't want to get... I'm not definitely not an um, expert okay. with astrology, <laughs> but um, there's sometimes some debate about the number of planets, so I've been told. Um, but also, there's either a thousand eight and eight or a hundred and eight names of the different deities. Wow. Um, there's a hundred and eight one mala beads. So there's the mala is something that you wear on your neck, and it's very similar to rosary, and uh, it can also be fifty six, and then that would be times two. So there's all these multiplication derivatives that come from a hundred and eight, but hundred and eight mala beads. So that it's a very auspicious number that once you hit the very bindu, which is the very center point of the mala bead. That represents your insight, like the seed of your intuition, your third eye. And once you've penetrated that, then you've also aligned with all the magical numbers in numerology um, based on the 108 mala beads being repeated. And the, the repetition of that is called japa. So it's thought that whatever you can repeat 
with an auspiciousness of number which really penetrates an intention for you based on astrology then you also align with the intention fully all the way you you align with the seed of all things which is the the bindu there's 108 names of shiva saraswati um, kali all the different deities also have these 108 names given to them wow. yeah it's cool. cool there's so many reasons but there's just a few <laughs> you're like an encyclopedia oh <laughs> i love all this stuff um, i'm a nerd <laughs> I really loved it when we started and she was talking about how that India has given us this tradition and this is a way of giving back. I thought that was really sweet and special. Is, could you say anything about just like the connection between yoga and giving? And Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, you know, for me, it's definitely so important to honor where something comes from, to honor a lineage that is also up for debate that's very clearly been around for at least 500 years. Some people will say 5,000 years. And I sort of say because of that, it's since the beginning of whenever time began to measure space and when everything came into existence here upon the earth. So to honor yoga is to honor our primal nature and to honor our origin, where it is that we come from, and for us, we know that the origin really began around this area, perhaps at that point where it began, historically called Rajasthan, and now, now India. We're able to tap into these, the deepest layer of our being and really shed into this place that's thought to be like a steadfast, sort of infinite reality. Um, there's a historical debate also, and I always like to give many different view viewpoints, but that India was some of, the, or Africa, that that area was some of the first land mass that was created, and that all of existence came from that area. So there's a, a deity, Pashupati, and Pashupati is a form of Shiva. He is the protector of the animals, the plants. Um, the trees, like this beautiful tree at the Tree of Chimes that we're at right now. And it's thought that the first yogis began practicing asana so that they could pay honor and really align with the frequency of the animals that they were respecting and protecting and uh, maintaining a beautiful kingdom with, not, not for or, uh, or in dominion of as a means to take over, but more so to have a communion with because there's so many things to learn from the animal teachers, the plant teachers, the mineral teachers, as well as the animal human teachers, the ancestral teachers, and so forth, the cosmic teachers. So tapping into this lineage from India really brings us into our roots and we see the teachers in all things as a result. Yeah. And doing it under a tree is very, very cool too. Oh, isn't it? With the Buddha. <laughs> yeah, the trees here are really inspiring to me because, you know, there's been a lot of storms here. Mother Earth is a little bit out of balance at the moment. And she's speaking to us, and it really astounds me that I still come here. This is like my front yard because I live across the street, and uh, the roots that really hold the soil up. Without these trees, New Orleans wouldn't exist. Right. Really, it's, it's maintaining the leverage 
and the solidity of our soil, we'd be sinking much faster otherwise. And they've held up through a tremendous amount of intensity that the earth has been revealing to us, not, let alone what she does above for us with the oxygen that it provides and the beauty that it provides. It's a great honor to practice yoga outside. Yeah, yeah, with the sun shining on us. Oh, doesn't it feel good? (laughs) Yes. So one more thing on a lighter note. um, I I always tell people back home how how the saints are so big here, the football. (laughs) Even in my my yoga class, my teachers tie the yoga teachings (laughs) into the the saints. Could you you just do a little plug for that? Ooh, I would love to, of course. First of all, Huda. Um, once we, I would say probably like three months before we won the Super Bowl, I began implementing the spiritual teachings of football with yoga, which at first was kind of surprising people. Because <laughs> it can sound maybe um, like something that yogis maybe don't talk about so much football. But it's funny, actually, one of my greatest teachers I love, John Friend, he's the founder, founder of Anusara Yoga totally into football and really into sports and it just really shows that that yogis are dynamic beings that you're really not supposed to get stuck in one construct that to enjoy all the different paths and, and things that are going on in our lives is important so once I started getting into the saints and honoring the community spirit that the saints provide and also a sense of self-pride especially for those that have grown up here and have loved the saints for so long and have put so much faith into the saints. They they wear their regalia, their medallions, their everything they give to the saints when they go to these games. And really quite honestly, as we know, for those forty-three years there was no there was no, nothing in return except just the faith involved in maintaining the faith, which is really a huge part of our yoga practice too. Shraddha has the word for faith in, in our yoga practice. And so to see that this buildup of faith, it has to be beyond what you can see, which the saints, a saint is someone who has superhero traits, who's superhuman. They're, they're given uh, qualities of leadership roles because they, through their hard work and spiritual devotion, have shown to us their spiritual powers, their spiritual abilities, which are cities in yoga. So even when they go on and they leave their body, they take on like an infinite sort of trait as a saint. So then afterwards, thinking of the infinite trait of the saints. Oh, thank you, Jessica. Hug break. This is Jessica who put on this event. Yes. I only channeled it through New Orleans. Oh, Oh, thank you so much. We were just talking about the saints and their infinite power and ability like actually just even a saint and then right. how that channels how that through channels through and influences all of us right, right. Wasn't, it, wasn't it so beautiful, it was beautiful to see felt it and to have so many people out here oh my god it was god. amazing really amazing and uh uplifting at the same time i think yeah for new orleans and to feel so much kind of love and energy coming through everyone and what's your full name Jessica Blanchard. <laughs> and have you've done these before? Well, this was the first event of this type around the world. Um, it was it came out of Mysore, India, by a group that has been doing work with women and children on the streets, trying to help them get off the streets and stop prostitution and human trafficking. So, this was their the first or, um, worldwide event that they organized. So. This was our first time here in New Orleans, and um, 
they're friends of mine and so I heard about it through them and saw that other studios were doing this so I thought well let's do a venue in New Orleans and I like the idea of doing something open out in nature so it's not mm-hmm. doesn't have to be one studio or one group because it's it's not about me as an individual or as a teacher it's about this cause and us kind of channeling our energy back to India because so much through yogas come out of India and really helped us so I felt like this was a way for us to give back to those in need from over there so thanks for doing it it was really beautiful oh, I'm glad you made it thank you so much <laughs> me too feel better feel the support it was really lovely to feel so supported by the community Aww. that's what I felt I know it's really cool it's beautiful to me when teachers get together I love it too and, and students that come yeah. from all the different studios yeah. because then it just takes off the label of right. I'm, I'm with from this here, this I'm is there. my style yeah it's exactly. just like we're all here together. It's this about is the yoga. yoga. Yeah. It's like exactly. it's life. It's yeah. not yoga, about... Yoga means union, right? Totally, right. exactly. And so it was nice to feel that union. It, it definitely is. felt just such positive, nice vibrations. Yeah, it's important. It doesn't always happen, really. I mean, I've definitely seen... <laughs> no. Even in <laughs> yoga, you know? It happens. Unfortunately, it makes me very sad. Yeah, the ego always pops up. The ego pops up. You're absolutely right. So that's, yeah. for me, I mean, it's a constant struggle and to, like, catch those negative thoughts and be, like, just watch them and make them go away. And Because um, the ego does pop up and it always wants yeah, to say, like, well, I'm better and this is my style and <laughs> my it's better for this reason. School. But it's not. It's <laughs> no. so anti-yoga. So to me, whatever, the more yoga, the better. And the, to be, like, cultivating the feeling of abundance rather than... Um, sort of the selfish this is better but it's all lovely and it's all yoga you know I totally agree I think we're pretty good here in New Orleans too with that the communities I see like whenever I see teachers interacting for the most part they're just it's loving and very supportive you know and it's very important I mean students are watching how how teachers act how they behave this is the real deal this is off of our mat exactly and that's how I I feel it's so important you can do a lot of fancy postures, but then go out and be a nasty person. And to me, that's yeah. not yoga or, yeah. you know, or to gossip about your neighbor. It's it's about how you act and the yamas and niyamas and putting those into action. Um, that's not so easy. Which is the hardest part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's I, I felt easier it's to get on your mat. Dead dog, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. the real deal, yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. I like your shirt. One, one more who dat. Oh. Eat like you give a damn. Who dat? <laughs> Thank you, Jessica. Just this morning, as I sat outside my yoga class, waiting for it to start, a beautiful day, the sun was shining down, I had my ukulele sitting outside the downtown studio, I was playing, (laughs) Uh, I Will Survive on the ukulele, a song that I like, (laughs) it's kind of fun, and uh, my teacher Keith came out and she said, you come play the chant at the beginning of the class with me and I was like okay <laughs> and so I went in and uh, or we, she told me the chords and 
I went in, and of course it was Loco Samasta. And I got to sit up at the front of the class and look out, see all the students sitting cross-legged with their eyes closed, and uh, imagine myself as a teacher. And, and then I got to play with Keith, one of my dearest teachers, and and it was just beautiful moment and uh i think it's a great way to end the podcast and uh <laughs> i know you guys have heard this song a few a few times now in a few different ways but uh it's a great great thing for us vegans and non-vegans alike to to meditate on the the meaning of this and uh and how beautiful and fragile and wonderful our lives are and how much we can each bring to the world if we think about others and consider others in our actions and try to do what is right and try to reach out and heal the world and think of what the world you'd love to see would look like and then how you can dream it into being because I believe we can I, I don't think we're stuck this way. I don't think that people need to eat meat forever. I don't think anything is a given. I think we are more powerful than we know and that reality is bendable. And it is only because there's this group illusion that it has to be the way it is, that that is the way it is because when we all decide that it can be different, then it will be different. Thank you for listening. This is a very special podcast to me. I hope it moved you all in some way. you know and then here I was and that was helpful in my yoga practice but like everything we don't do this just you know to do these crazy poses um the next day I had kind of a busy day and during the lunch break I was trying to you know do this yoga workshop all day do my normal work all day and lunch I ran and grabbed something at lunch and then I was like I'm gonna get a coffee afterwards and I went to get the coffee and I opened my wallet and I was like you forgot your credit card gosh what are you thinking you know a day like this oh no got to run back and get the credit card and as I got near the restaurant I opened the my little Volkswagen back where's your laptop yeah you've forgot your laptop 
And just at that moment, I got a text message from one of our teachers that said, I have your laptop, I have your credit card. Waitress from Wands dropped it off at the Chawa. And I was just like, God, that's so nice. I was like having this freak out. And then the Anusarans have this expression, the universe is conspiring to support you. And like, just yeah. as soon as you're having doubt, <laughs> that I had an experience of that. And then, um, come on in ladies, good to have you guys here. But uh, to make a long story short, maybe you guys know where this is going. I, at that point, felt really lucky. And later on that night, right when I got home, I don't know what was up with me, I got another message from Aaron, who was like, I have your mat, you left it at the NYC, no problem. <laughs> and I was like, wow, whatever I'm thinking about life, maybe I need to be a little bit more open because the universe really is conspiring to support me. Here's our Klein Peter truck that comes every Thursday during class. Wow, thank you, thank you, thank you, Kim. It's gotta be an elaborate backup motion with a you know huge truck like that carrying all that milk. Um, bringing your attention uh, back to your mat and just closing the eyes for a minute. We'll let the milk truck get settled wherever he's gonna land. Hi, welcome. And excellent, thanks you guys. So, you know, we've got a lot of distractions at the beginning of class. So just go ahead and close the eyes and try and bring your awareness inward. We'll begin our practice today with three rounds of OM. Inhaling.
beautiful and strong singing. Let's begin our practice today in Downward Facing Dog. Thanks for listening, everyone. I just wanted to mention that the music, the sitar music that you heard, was a band called Starseed, and the song is called Tara Looking Up from the Lotus from their Live in Mount Shasta album. Um, and you can find out more about that in our show notes at veganradio.com. And anything else you would like to find out about Vegan Radio, you should be able to find out at veganradio.com. May you all find peace and liberation. May all beings be liberated. Liberated. Liberated.